is you again. Time for another sermon. Why do you put yourself through this? Why would people want to listen to you anyway? You're not a preacher. Are you feeling a little insecure right now? I know God's word is powerful, but I feel so inadequate. Pathetic is more accurate. No matter how much work I put into the preparation, I just never feel ready. Neil Jakes knows so much more of the Bible than me. Why did I even volunteer to speak today? No matter how hard I try, I just never feel I have what it takes. Oh, my heart is beating so hard. I'm sure they're going to hear it over Zoom. Mark, pull yourself together. Please don't be rubbish today. Deep breath. Smile at the camera. And away we go. Good morning, everybody. Did anybody relate to anything of those thoughts that you just heard? You see, I often battle in my mind between thoughts of faith and thoughts of fear. With me, I often want to trust God, but I also want to retain control. Maybe you're like this as well. Maybe one second you can walk in and you can feel full of spiritual confidence that God is with you, that he's for you, that he's called you, and the next moment you have crippling anxiety and insecurity and it paralyzes you and it holds you back. What I've discovered is that our mind is a battlefield and that most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. So I spent some time looking at scriptures and I've also had a little bit of a look at neuroscience. Well, up until a couple of years ago, I didn't even understand what neuroscience was. I didn't even know it existed. And yet Jacob is studying it at university. So I'm sure he's going to have a look at what I'm saying today and either tell me I've done it right or I've done it wrong. So most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Our lives typically will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That's what neuroscience says. So whatever we get ourselves thinking about is what we start to pursue. That's why if we get a new hobby that we get right into it, suddenly everything becomes about that. And we lose countless hours and time in pursuing that stuff. Now I'm going to ask you to engage in a little bit of activity in your homes right now. Would you say that you are a worried person? Look at the scale in between, you go from worried to peaceful. Are you one of those folks that at nights put your head on your pillow and you start to think about all the stuff that you've got to do tomorrow? Are the, is the alarm going to go off on time? Am I going to have an annoying meeting with my boss? Are my kids going to be okay tomorrow? Is the coronavirus going to go, go mad again? Or are you one of those that lays your head on your pillow at night full of peace? Know that you can completely trust in God and that he's got your back. Maybe you're about negative thinking. Whenever you look at a situation, all you see the negative aspect. As opposed to thinking about positive things. What would you say? 
You're a glass half empty or a glass half full person. I don't know, I haven't got a mixed bag there. But some days I can be fairly negative, but on the whole, I think I'm a positive person. What about your thought processes? What about worldly thoughts? Are you concerned with the things of this world? With money and making your fortune and careers and stuff? Or are you focused on the eternal? Because ultimately, that's where our destination point is going to be. Eternity with him. And yet we spend so much of our time consumed with worry and fear about a relatively short lifespan of maybe a, a hundred years if you're lucky. What's a hundred years over eternity is a fraction. Mathematicians can probably not work that out either. All I know is that eternity is for a long, long time. So how does our amazing brains work? How did God design our brains? Well, he designed neuropathways. Sounds quite puffed, doesn't it? Neuropathways. We have pathways that are formed in our brain from our first breath. And we start to learn and respond to those neuropathways. As we have a thought and we repeat that thought, a neuropathway is formed. And if that thought is a good thought, we get a release of something called dopamine, which is a wonderful natural thing that takes place in our bodies and makes us feel good. So ladies, when you go to the hairdressers tomorrow and your husbands come back and say, darling, your hair looks wonderful, you will get a release of dopamine because you start to feel good about yourselves. And those pathways are formed over many times of thinking about the same things. Look at that pathway on the grass field. That's how a neuropathway sort of works. If we're stuck into a particular way of thinking, we start to wander up and down on that same path. And that same path becomes a well-worn path. And the amazing thing with our brains is the more we walk up and down the same path, the less activity it has to do because it already remembers that that pathway is there. Which is great if we were involved in good thoughts and good processes, but what happens when we've got negative thoughts? and we keep going to revisit those negative thoughts. Those pathways still work in the same way. You start to create a pathway. And so one little negative thought, if you keep repeating it over and over in your mind, becomes a neuropathway. And the only way we can break out of that, it says in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There is an option there for us to be set free from those thought processes that we have on a daily basis. And we have to form new pathways. So what happens on that grass field if you start walking along a different route? Well, that pathway that's formed there, that's been there forever, it seems, will suddenly start to grow again. And over time, that pathway will completely disappear and become the same height of grass. And you'll have a new pathway with a new way of thinking. So my question to start us off this morning is what is the biggest mental stronghold that is currently holding you back? I'm going to give you 10 seconds just to think of one. What is the biggest mental stronghold that is currently holding you back? And what I want you to do then 
is to name it. Why do I want you to name it? Because we cannot defeat what we don't define. So take that stronghold and say, I know you, I recognise you, you are this. You see, for some of you, just to help you out, maybe some of you are thinking over and over again that my past is so bad for God to use me. Or I can't trust the people around me. Or I'm always going into battle with my weight. Or I'm never ever going to be successful or good with money. Or I can never be close to God. Or I'll never be in a job that is fulfilling. That all my relationships turn sour. Do you find yourself stuck in thinking negative thoughts? Because what I'm going to say is every time you have a negative thought, you release chemicals in your brain. Name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Jesus. When he was taken into the desert and the devil came to tempt him, the devil offered him this and that and the other. And what was Jesus' response? in each and every temptation. He quoted scripture. He didn't think of some witty answer. He just quoted scripture. Because scripture is powerful and it has power. And when we start to consume scripture, when we start to get it in ourselves, we can start to speak it out and see some of those lies that the enemy plants in our brains destroyed. You see, God's word is powerful. And it's not just there to, to help us, but it's there to transform and renew our minds. And as we know, the Bible is truth. That's the truth of God. That it's there to transform and renew your minds. So I'm going to use a number of scriptures today. Neil Jakes will be pleased with me. See, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I love that last part. It doesn't say some of the things or occasional things. What does it say? It says all things. All things have become new. We are a new creation. Now, if you look at Paul's journey in the Bible... I love this, but it's a bit of a tongue twister. In Romans 7, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. It's a little bit of a tongue twister, that isn't it? I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And when you look at Paul's life early on, when he became a follower of Jesus, I think, look, the man was intelligent. Yeah, he knew the scriptures and stuff. And yet I think his mind went into complete turmoil. He almost sounds a little bit crazy in that. And yet as we see his journey and as we see his relationship with, with Jesus, we see a transformation that takes place in Paul's mind as he le learns to wage war against the stuff that attacked his mind. We see him capture those thoughts and replace him with truth. 
and he wins the war over his mind. And as Paul did, my hope and prayer for you this morning is that for those that have got stuff that is raging in your mind, you're going to start to see God break in. And we're going to have that antidote of scripture which demolishes those strongholds. For though we live in the world, we not wage war as the world does, but the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. These are some scriptures we should all know. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, a bit of Greek for you all. The word word for power is deutimus, which is explosive, miraculous power. It's what we get our word dynamite from. It's the explosive power of God. It's not a timid thing. It shatters those things. So what is a stronghold? Well, typically, a military stronghold was typically at the centre of the town or the city. And it used to have walls up to 20 feet thick to protect those people that were inside it. It used to house usually the military leaders when they wanted to be protected from the battle that was going on around the place and bring them protection. Or sometimes it was used to put prisoners in when the enemy were trying to attack and break out the prisoners. Imagine that, 20 foot thick walls that are there. Now the devil himself, who is our spiritual enemy, wants to attack your mind and create strongholds of deception so that you believe something is untrue and it takes you away from God's healing and calling on your life. And he's cunning because he does it a drip at a time. See, he wants to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you become a prisoner of deception. So what does he tell you? Well, he says things like, well, you just can't trust people. You're never going to succeed. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to have a good marriage. God doesn't hear your prayers. He doesn't care about you. You're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. Those are the typical lies of the enemy. But what do we do with those thoughts when they come? Do we allow them just to sit there? Do we allow them to fester? Do we allow them to to grow? When we hear it come a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and we don't do anything about that thought process, then suddenly, remember the grass field? That neuropathway is started, and it sits there. So how do we do battle with our minds? Well, Paul waged war. Scripture tells us to demolish those things and to take captive every thought. We see Paul do it. He wages war. So he goes from that place at the beginning that I talked about, saying, I can't do those things to a place where he starts to wage war against the enemy and he starts to capture those thoughts. 
Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God calls us to be a new creation. He's got new things for us. He's got a new way of us to, to think and operate. A new freedom that's going to come. And a weight that lifts off our shoulders. I always remember a time when I was in, in the Venture Scouts and we went on these really long hikes. And back then I couldn't afford a decent kit. And so all of my kit that I had to carry was incredibly heavy. And you know that feeling when you've done a trek and you've had a real heavy backpack on and suddenly you take it off. There is a moment where you sort of feel like you're filled with helium and you start to almost float. When these lies of the enemy are destroyed, when these strongholds, when these weighted down things that fill your backpack are taken out, there is a new place of enjoyment. There is a new place of freedom for you to experience. See, we must have become so well adjusted to our culture that we just start to fit into it without processing some of those thoughts. See, God wants to come and change us from the inside out. And we need to start to recognise the fact that he wants to do that and respond to his prompts and the stuff that he says about us. You see, the culture of the world typically drags people down to its own level, which is an immaturity level. But God's desire is to bring out the best of you, the best version of you, and bring you into that place of spiritual maturity. We should be diff thinking differently when we meet Jesus. Why? Because he transforms our minds. He renews our minds. We shouldn't be the same as when we came to meet with him. I remember one of the stories Martin Smith always says of when he used to be a funeral director. I hope you won't mind me sharing this, but he used to swear quite badly most of the time. And yet he came to meet with Jesus. And in a moment, God transformed him. And the thing that his co-workers realised when he went back to work, he hadn't realised it himself, was his language had changed. And he wasn't swearing anymore. So some of those things, some of those habits that we have, some of those things that we've done for many, many years, when we come and meet the king, let's have an expectation that if they're not particularly good things, that with the renewing of our minds, we're going to put them to one side and not return there anymore. So what do we think about? Well, this made me laugh. Matthew 9, 4 that Jesus knew the thoughts of the Pharisees. Dull, which means Jesus knows the thoughts in your mind right now. Your thoughts in your mind are not off limits to God. He knows everything about you. Sometimes I think we forget. So our actions and our thoughts should be one and the same really, aren't, shouldn't they? But sometimes I think we think to ourselves, I can get away with it because I only thought it. And that's the, some of the stuff that Jesus came to challenge. 
If you look at Philippians 4.8, it tells us the things that we're meant to think about. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So there you go, it's in his word. Things for us to think about, things for us to dwell upon. Does that sound like your own thought processes? Does it sound like your own thought life? What clouds your mind today? Is there anything that you're processing, thinking about, that when you put against one of those things, it's nothing like that? Ultimately, what does this come back down to? We have the ability to control our thought life by the power of God that works in us if we choose to access that power. God has made provision for us if we choose to access that power. Gamers. I have a household full of gamers. Do you know that in a recent survey, children between the age of 3 to 18 are exposed to about five and a half hours of media every single day. This is even more frightening though. Those aged 12 to 14 average out eight hours a day. This is the crazy statistic that more than 60% of people aged between 14 to 30 said they would rather give up food before giving up social media. crazy the world we live in nowadays isn't it what occupies our time what occupies our minds the things we give ourselves to another statistic though shows that bible reading reading of god's word diminishes currently with age now i know we're not allowed to be over 40 years old but those that are unofficially over 40 will more likely be reading their bible on a regular basis than our young people of today why? Because they were brought up in that sort of environment when they didn't have so many different distractions which veered for their time. So let me encourage you to start that process of jumping into God's word. Start to fill yourself on some of that stuff. I'm not saying you have to put down your gaming consoles forever, but let's find a better balance to say, okay, I can be an expert in this game or that game or I can start to fill myself with stuff that's going to prepare me for what life throws at me and the enemy's attack on my mind. So what do we think about ourselves? You see, Romans tells us to renew our minds or allow our minds to be changed. But then right after that, in Romans 12, 3, the writer deals with how we are to think about ourselves. I say through the grace that was given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think, I say to think soberly. I'm going to unpack this a little bit for us. Anybody feel that they're stuck in particular habits? 
and they can't get out of it. See, Jesus dealt with some of this stuff. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. What's the antidote? Well, firstly, it's recognising the fact that we are a slave to sin. And I've seen many people over the years go to people, just go and pray about it, just go and sort yourself out, work on it, and you'll be okay. But in recent times, somebody mentioned to me, I went to look again, that the fact that self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit. And as it's a fruit of the Spirit, we can't manufacture that ourselves. Like a light bulb went off in my head to say, okay, on the one hand, I'm a slave to sin. And I want to have self-control to deal with that. And I can try, try, try as I'm, I will and not succeed. And I'm never going to succeed unless the Holy Spirit empowers me. And it's one of the fruits of the Spirit that we get. So in order to break out of those habits, those mentalities, those things which drag us down, we need God's Spirit. And we'll ask him later on today just to come and refresh us. For some of you, maybe for the first time, maybe you've never experienced that thing of being baptised in the Holy Spirit. When he comes and he transforms and he changes. Now, how many of you are worriers? You worry about this and you worry about that and you worry about tomorrow and you worry about school and you worry about exams and you worry about not being able to go on holiday. What's the antidote to worry? Well, I just pulled out a few bits of scripture and bunged them in together. And for you worriers today, I want you to start to maybe declare something new. Maybe your declaration today could be because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. So when those thoughts of worry come in, create for yourself maybe a couple of pieces of scripture, but based upon God's truth. Because as we know, that will demolish the stronghold of the enemy. What about for you, those that uh, lack confidence? This could be your declaration. My confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything he calls me to do. You see, when the enemy comes in and says, you can't do this and you can't do that, your response could be, my confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone. What does that do? It shatters the stronghold. Maybe you're fighting lustful thoughts. Maybe you look at dodgy stuff on the internet and that's been a battle that you've not been able to get out of. I am not a slave to lustful thoughts because God has purified my mind. I will honour him with my eyes and my thoughts. My God is faithful. Even if I'm tempted, he always gives me a way out. Are you getting the idea now? Find things, find scriptures, find godly truths that will shatter the schemes of the enemy and bring down those strongholds. 
What about you, that, those that find comfort in food? When I'm stressed, I turn to God, not food. I come to Jesus because he is what I need. In him I find strength and comfort. So you've named your stronghold earlier on. I'd encourage you to go and look for scriptures that deal with that thing, because that is the antidote. That's what stops those neuro pathways in their tracks. And that's what helps with the renewing of our minds because we start to replace doubt and fear with truth, with scripture. What about how we uh, think about others? I find this really interesting, isn't it? We're, we are meant to be called to be part of what? God's friendship group? Nope. He calls us to be family. Yeah? Well, the great thing about family is we get to pick our friends. We don't get to pick our family. It's not selective. We're all part of God's family. And I believe God wants to change the way we think about others, our brothers and our sisters. Are we devoted to one another in love? Do we honour one another above ourselves? Do we share what we have? Do we practice hospitality? Those are all fairly, mm, okay. Bless those who persecute you? Nah, I feel like taking that one out. Bless and do not curse? What does that mean? It means you bless somebody and they don't grumble about it under your breath or when their back's turned. These are good things and a way of thinking that we should have between our brothers and our sisters in Christ. I believe God wants to birth compassion in our hearts and burn that compassion in our heart for others. About two years ago, I think, maybe two, two and a half years ago, I talked about labels and putting labels on people. And as I wrote this stuff out again, God just said to me, just remind them again, because it's easy to forget. It's easy to go back to the way we thought of before. Have you started sticking labels on people? When you see them, do you see the person how God sees them? Or do you see the labels that you've pressed upon them, that other people have told you about them? Stop with the labeling. Let's start to see people the way that God sees them. Again, it's a transformation in the way that we see. Think about where God has placed us. It's intriguing, isn't it? The last 12 months have been a little bit strange. We'll be part of the history books. The generation that lived through a, a pandemic. Do we expect it? No. And yet of all the timeline of history, beginning to end, God has called us to be alive at this time. Let's celebrate that fact. You see, are you here this morning out of habit or because your parents made you? Is it about maintenance? Are you just here doing the same old thing because that's what you've always done? 
Or are you here just for a short while? And when you find something else better, you'll opt out. God's called us here for a time and a season, and a time just like this. As we embrace the fact that lockdown is changing and ending, I want us to go out transformed people. I want us to use this time, this opportunity to go out with a transformed mind of how we see ourselves and how we see others around us. I go back to that scripture, Romans 7. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do for what I hate I do. Is that you this morning? Are you hating the things that you find yourselves doing, even though you know that God has got something much more for you? Well, as you know, you can't do it on your own. We need his Holy Spirit to come and make that transformation. His Holy Spirit to come with one of those fruits. That thing of self-control might be all that you need this morning to break that bondage that's held you back from embracing everything that God's got for you. I know it's strange because we're in our houses and stuff. I know it's not easy to respond, but all I'm going to ask you to do this morning is in your homes or wherever you are right now, if you have been reminded, as God has prompted you, giving you something, that stronghold, that he wants to deal with this morning, I just want to ask you to stand where you are, to acknowledge the fact that that stronghold is there, that you want God to do something in that and for him to have his way. How do we do that? We do that by surrendering. And as I finish today, I'm just going to play the track I surrender to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to come and minister to you as individuals, wherever you are, whatever nation you are zooming in from today to come and make that transformational thing a reality to you today. Let's have an expectation that God is going to renew our minds in a new and a powerful way. He